Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, it is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone had a great Christmas. Uh, you know, when when you start the holiday season, you start with Thanksgiving here in the states, and you end with Christmas. You still have got New Year's holiday, but that's more of a friend and hanging out with parties. But when you're dealing with your relatives for a month, it's kind of good to have it over with, right? It's kind of a relief to be done with it. But we're continuing our holiday series with the Hook Rocks. This is Dean Clark on the line, a return guest who did the ACDC discussion with us a couple months back. What's going on, Dean? I'm back in black, Jay. There you go, man. There you go. How was your <laughs> holiday? Excellent. Nice family time. Don't have a big extended family, so Christmas time usually is a little bit quieter for me which is nice because I get a nice break from the office and can kind of power down at the end of the year and gear up here as we head into the new year absolutely you came to me with this idea for this topic here uh when we were planning the ACDC episode and it was a really interesting topic because it combines two powerhouse albums live albums from one of the most notorious rock bands of all time. And your idea was to combine set lists from Kiss Alive and Kiss Alive 2, put them together to create one show, kind of like what would it be like if Kiss Alive and Kiss 2 were combined, drop some songs off this album, some songs off that album, and put them together and see what you come up with. And I have to tell you, when you first told me about this, I thought, this is going to be a fun topic, but this is going to be pretty easy. And then I had to do it. <laughs> and it was not easy at all because I must have gone through five, six different pages with notes in the corners and all over like, oh, well, like, what about this song? And do I want to put deep cuts in there? Do I want to have, you know, it, it's not, it was not an easy, easy task by no means. And I thought it would be easy as well. And it's always funny because there's always a debate what's the better live album. It, ignoring the fact, Jay, that we know Kiss Alive was mostly done in the studio and overdubs and redoing everything. We, it is what it is. We get it. But at the end of the day, it's one of the great classic live albums, I think, of all time. It was the album that really got me 
into Kiss. And so I would say that it is my favorite live Kiss album. And then you've got a segment that says, no, Kiss Alive 2, just the rawness and the power of Alive 2 is better than Alive. And that's the beauty of rock and roll is we get to compare the two and we all have our different uh, likes and what we don't like on each album. And But when you go and you look at the songs on both albums, it's like, man, wouldn't it be so cool to see what an album might look like if they were all combined? And or even better, and I think where we're going with this is a set list. What would a concert set list look like if you combine the two? And and maybe you know people would argue, well, what you're getting now in a Kiss concert is a little bit of that combined, or even go back to some of the concerts uh, set list of '77. You look at uh, the Summit at Houston, and you look at that set list, and that's really the two albums combined that you and I discussed about maybe taking a little bit further and looking at a 20 to 22 song set list. And you came up with a really good idea of, I think we originally said 20 and then you said, why don't we take it a step further and add two songs that aren't on either album, but were recorded back in the day. So that's going to make our list look uh, a little bit more interesting as well. Yeah. I thought of that idea because there were songs that, are not on, like you said, either album that I know they performed live. And yeah, I've heard recordings of them performed live and I enjoyed it, you know, enjoy hearing those songs. And I thought, especially with a live too, because they did the studio tracks, that they did leave some some good songs that I know were in that set list during that tour, that last tour, that they didn't include because they had the five studio songs. So yeah, that was, yeah. you know, that that that's the one disappointment about Alive 2. I heard Alive 2 before I heard Alive 1, okay? I heard Alive 2 back in like 82, 83, uh, when I was about 9 years old, 10 years old, maybe, maybe, you know, 85 maybe. But so then I went back and listened to Alive 1. So Alive 2 has always been my first love for Kiss live albums. Mm-hmm. And... Just like you said, the power, the rawness, uh, you know, a live one is great, but I always, you know, you always kind of go back to what you first heard is your, you know, as your favorite. Um, Absolutely. We we, do that with all our music, don't we? We do. We do. And and, And I'm finding that out more and more, you know, as I promote new music in a lot of the episodes and try to promote enough more, you know, try to promote as much new music as I can on the Twitter page, uh, I find a lot of people still are interested or more interested in kind of what they grew up with. And I'm learning that as much as you try to encourage people to listen to new rock music, music is like their friends. And they're going to stick with their friends as they get older. And the music that they listen to in their formative years is usually the music that most people go back to. Totally agree. And I think that's what it all is about at the end of the day. It's the growing up. It's it's life and, and going into every next stage of your life and what music was there when you did it. Your first concerts and your high school and what you're listening to with all your buddies and your first car and your first car stereo whether it be a, back in the day an 8-track or a cassette player and then a CD player and the boom box and the speakers in the back and 
just getting on with life. And the music you were listening to at that time is the music we tend to gravitate to even now. And I've been listening to a lot more new music, you know, thanks to shows like yours that have introduced me to new bands and, you know, a band called Chicken Valentina. I've been listening to a, a ton lately. They've only got a couple of albums out. They got a new lead singer, with a, a new EP, which uh, doesn't sound too bad, but I think their original singer, uh, Jay Edwards, uh, Joe Edwards is his name. A um, couple of albums that they have, I've been listening to quite a bit, but there's, there's some great stuff out there that I listen to, but at the end of the day, you kind of come back to the music you've grown up with and the music we love and what we talk about and see on Twitter with everybody and talking ACDC, Kiss, Van Halen, Iron Maiden, and Metallica and whoever else it might be. Yes. I, you know, of course, love new music, both from new artists and existing artists putting out new material. I think there is a great big wave of new rock that's coming. It's kind of bubbling underneath the surface, as I've talked about several times. Uh, and I just, at the end of the day, I want people to appreciate it and take it for what it is and stop comparing it to the classics. I think that's where, you know, I there's a disconnect for me um, with how people feel about new music because I hear a lot that new music sucks and it's not good. And you and I both know that that's just not the case. There is a plethora of new music coming out by new bands that's just really awesome. And if you take it as a snapshot of what is present and what is in the now, I think if people did that, they would have much more of an appreciation for the music that's coming out. Are rock music fans the only ones that fight and argue about music? I just, for some reason, can't picture, and maybe it does happen, do country music fans yell and scream and complain on Twitter about country music today not being as good as back in the day? Or or do hip-hop fans listen to today's hip-hop and say it's not nearly as good as the old hip-hop back in the day? Or, or I'm sure they what do. What have you? I, yeah. I've been wondering about that. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's there's corners of the internet and social media that do have that. But I do notice that country is way more accepting of new artists. Hip-hop, you know, I can't really speak to because I don't listen to it. So I don't know. But I know a lot of people that listen to country. And they're always very accepting of a new artist. Country music does a great job of rolling out the red carpet for a new artist and having them collaborate with the generation from, you know, from the generations from the past. And rock music doesn't, like, and I've said this several times too, the infrastructure is the biggest thing because there's no outlet for new music. I went to go see Big Wreck at a club here in Chicago back in October. And there was probably 150 people there. And Big Wreck mm-hmm. is a phenomenal band. And Big Wreck's been around for 10-plus years. It's not like they're new. But when you have that good of music, you know, when you have musicians on stage that are playing at a top level and the music is so good and you look around and you're like, this is cool because there's not a lot of people here, but it's also kind of sad because there's not a lot of people here. It's kind of that, you know, yeah. you know it, it, it's like you want people to hear this music and they're not, and you're here with 150 music friends 
enjoying it. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to change or not. I hope it does. I think there's a big uphill battle, but like I said, I think the newer stuff that's coming out, I think it's bubbling under the surface, and it's only going to take one of these acts to punch through. And I think there's a few acts that are on the verge of fully, you know, committing to that, you know, to 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 mainstream where people are going to pick up on it, people are going to run with it. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I just read a comment on Twitter actually earlier today. Uh, there, uh, Anne, Anna Ella, I think you may follow her. She has just followed more than yes. music and, yes. and she'd made the, you know, comment about, uh, yeah, you know, be, being in, in small venues and, and how you, there's all these bands from back in the day. Um, but there's some great new music and smaller shows and like, smaller venues. Sorry. And I made the comment that I feel like it's almost feels like it's going back to small venue shows. Right there's not a lot of the newer bands that we're talking about that are going to fill a stadium right now, but they're in the small clubs and it's like, we're going to see a wave of those types of bands and you're going to have to get out and see some of the smaller sh- till some of these guys really take off. And, and I, I've seen a lot of shows and arenas and so forth, but I've made the comment in my, and uh, they're, they're based in, they're Australian, but based in Toronto and I saw them here in my hometown in a little 200 to 300 seat club. And I got to say, it was one of the most fun times at a concert that I've had in years. It was just a blast. And it was great. And I, and I hope they come back. And I hope some of these other bands, like the Dirty Honeys of the world, discover Canada and can come up here and, and do some shows that, so we can you know, get out and see some of these other great bands. Was that the Lazies that you were that you saw? You were breaking up there for a bit. Oh yes, the Lazies. Yes, yeah, they're a great band too. They got some new material coming in 2020, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, there's lots out there. People just have to search for it, and like you say, give it a chance. Absolutely. So let's get into this Kiss Alive One and Two discussion. Just so everybody knows and everybody's clear, here are the rules. We select 20 songs from both albums, okay? And we combine it into a set list, plus two songs that were not on those albums, but were played during shows during both periods. So, like, for instance, you know, if there's a song off of Hotter Than Hell that was not on a live one, but it was played during those shows during that time period we can add that to the set list. The set list will yeah. total 22 songs. And here we go. So why don't we do this? Why don't you start with your first 10, and then I'll do my first 10. And then we'll okay, review each good. one. Okay? <laughs> okay. And, and I agree. It was tougher than I thought. I had both albums in front of me and uh, pads of paper. And so what I did was I went through Kiss Alive, and I went through and wrote down, okay, these are the songs that I personally would want to see in, in concert. And and I get it. There's people out there that are casual fans. They go see a show. They want to see all the hits. Then you get the diehard fan that, you know, wants to see the deep cuts. And we see that criticized on set lists with every tour and every band, it seems like. So I kind of kept the two in mind and tried to um, incorporate 
deep cuts that I like as well. So I went through and I wrote down, I went through Kiss Alive, wrote down all the songs off that album for the set list, and then I did Kiss Alive 2. So I combined both, and then it was tough to you know do the set list. I, I found trying to put them in order of what it would sound like in a show uh, was, was even tougher than identifying the 20 songs. But here we go. My first one, the set opener, I've always loved it as a set opener, is Deuce. From Deuce, we roll into King of the Nighttime World, to Strutter, Come On and Love Me, Parasite, Firehouse, I Stole Your Love, Nothing to Lose, Rock Bottom, and Cold Gin are my top 10. Wow, you really go for the jugular in your first 10, too. I mean, those are a lot of big songs. A lot of big songs. Uh, I like the Deuce in the King, King of the Nighttime World. I think Deuce is a great opener. Um, yeah, you, you really packed it up in the first 10. I mean, you really kind of, you know, if, if this is Kiss playing live and, and you are a fan at the show, this is like 0 to 60 in two seconds and then just doesn't let go of you. Yeah, and I think in the middle, maybe some people might be a little bit shocked at the middle portion here. And then I, I, I'm hoping I'm gearing it up and getting fast forward again for the encore. Okay, okay. All right. So what, what you got, buddy? All right, so I got the opener, Detroit Rock City. Goes back to my days of you know being introduced to Kiss Alive 2, into Kiss of the, King of the Nighttime World, which I think are, are both... They kind of go hand in hand. I mean, just because of the way that's yeah, played live do. and alive too. And then I go into Deuce yeah. after Paul Stanley does his you know intro, how you doing, and his high pitched voice. They go right into Deuce, <laughs> okay. And then they go into Coming Home, which is one of the songs that's not wow. on either album, but I like the way Deuce. So that's that's your first one, yeah. That's my first one is Coming Home, and then after Coming okay. Home is Love Gun. Okay, and then got to choose tomorrow and tonight. Calling Doctor Love, Firehouse. Come on and love me. Nice. So those are my first ten. I love tomorrow and tonight, and I know it's probably it probably doesn't sound is good on the studio album love gun but live that always connected with me that always resonated with me when i was younger i just love the sound yep. i love the whole feel to it um got to choose another one of my 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 favorite songs and coming home i think is one of the most underrated songs in the kiss catalog which was fantastic on the unplugged album yes so I had, I crossed it out for a different song once I started going through. Firehouse was a, was a, was kind of like a, a bubble song for me. I went back, you know, I, I don't want to give up to what I didn't select, but there were a couple songs that were kind of on the fence and that was one of them. Yeah, I get that. It's a, um, it's close to me just because of uh, the story 
and probably for a different episode, but, and I may have even showed you photos of Paul Stanley wearing my fireman hat in concert here in my hometown of Kamloops when they were here in 2011. And I've got a beautiful photo of Paul Stanley wearing the fireman helmet. And when I did the meet and greet in 2016, I took the photo and the helmet and he signed both. And so for me, Firehouse is, uh, I've always loved song and to have a memento from the band like that is something phenomenal. So I could, I couldn't leave it off and we'll leave that for the song where Gene breathes fire. Did you, did you tell him about the story about he wore that in the, in the picture? Did you, did you tell him about the connection to it? I did. Yeah. He, you know, it was during the meet and greet. It was fairly quick, but you know, he made the comment that it was a great photo and he had no problem signing it with the dates of the show here, which uh, makes it even more personal that uh, actually shows the date of the concert on the photo and, and then the fireman hat uh, to go with it. So it's a, it's a pretty cool piece. What's it like to go, you know, to a meet and greet with Kiss? It was a fantastic experience. Obviously not the cheapest thing to do, but I thought it was, you know, one of the last chances to do it. It was uh, 2016, I think I did. I went to Edmonton, Alberta and uh, did it there. And it was a great experience right from start to finish. The little private seven song, private concert that they did. And, and then to, you know, go back and get your photo with the band and talk to them a little bit and have them come right to you and sign a few things. It, it was worth it. I had you know, no regrets whatsoever. My wife and I had a wonderful time. It was, I love meet and greets. I've done a few of them, not really expensive ones, but it's a great uh, way to enhance the concert experience for sure. And how, you know, how, how does that work when you go in there? Do they kind of move you in and move you out? How much time do you get with the band? How, you know, what, is there a conversation? You know, what's that like? Yeah, well, this one here, they usually your host, and he comes outside the arena and then escorts you in and gives you the, you know, they give you the lowdown of what's going to happen, and and they take you downstairs in the bowels of the arena and where they were going to do their seven song set, and everybody crowds in there, and I'm guessing there was probably, I'm guessing about fifty people for this particular one, and uh, they come out and talk to you and played their songs and then uh, when the songs are done they come around to everybody every member and you get you know enough time to have basically two items per person signed and uh, I gotta say Gene was amazing he stood there talked uh, to us for a few minutes I took a picture of him and my wife together on my cell phone and he signed a couple of items shake his hand and he probably was the one that spent the most amount of time uh, with the fans. And uh, that probably lasted, I'm guessing, about a half an hour afterwards where they all went through the crowd and talked to everybody and signed some things, and then they headed off to the dressing room. We leave the arena for a little while, and then we have to come back. Uh, when they open the doors to the arena, and then we go again to a different area. The host takes you downstairs, and then you wait till the band's ready in their makeup. And then it's just basically... a. Uh, a cattle call and everybody goes in and very quickly get your photo taken with the band in makeup. You've probably seen a lot of the photos online of people that do the meet and greet with the band and that whole process goes very quickly and it happens when the opening band is on stage and then when you're done, you you head to your seat during the intermission and on and that's the whole night. 
So they do a short acoustic set list, right? Yeah. And how does that work? Is it by request? Do they already have the songs already predetermined? Yeah, they had all the songs predetermined. They talked and asked people what they thought they would like, and people yell out songs and stuff. But they've pretty much got it. Uh, they've got it set. And yeah, it's totally acoustic. They're just out there in their jeans and shirts and running shoes. And Eric Singer has a much smaller drum set, and they flick the picks out to everybody. And it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool intimate experience as a lifelong Kiss fan to to get up that close and personal while they're playing their instruments was, was a pretty, pretty surreal experience. So you, they do the set list, they do the acoustic set. And how many people are, are there? I figure for the one that we were at, there was probably about, I'm thinking 50, maybe less than 50, maybe 30 to 40. I, you know, I can't even, you know, it's hard to tell Jay. I can't, you know, you're so focused on what's going on. To, to try and count the, how many people were there. Yeah, maybe 30, 30 to 40 people max. And then they do the set, they come out, they talk to you, they mingle with you, you know, for a little bit, they take pictures. Um, yeah. And then you, you're let out of the arena, and then, you know, they allow you back in, and now they're in full makeup, and you get to, like, you know, you kind of wait in line for them to take a picture. And, and that's more or less, hey, how you doing? You stand and smile, you yep. snap, and then, you're, and then you're off the stage or off the platform. Yeah, that process is really fast. You're lined up for a while because you're waiting for them to, you know, be all dressed and, and ready to go. And then when they take you down the hall to where the photos are being taken, and you can see the other people going in and getting their picture taken. And that is a very, like, honestly, you're walking in, you turn, you smile, snap of the photo, thank you very much, and off you go and the next person's in. So then you're just going back into the waiting uh, area, the lobby downstairs, and just waiting till the opening band's done, and, and then you go to your seat. Have you been to, or are you planning to go to any of the end of the road shows? I did the opening uh, concert was in Vancouver. That's right. The very first okay. uh, show, yeah, the very first show of the tour was uh, January 31st in Vancouver. I was there. I remember that. How was that? I mean, I know we kind of touched on it briefly uh, on direct message, but what was that experience like? I mean, are, are they coming back close to where you're at, or is that pretty much it for that area? Yeah, that's it for me. Uh, Los Angeles would be the, I guess, the next tour that would be the closest would be, yeah, it would be L.A., which is now a three-hour flight out of Vancouver. So that's not happening. But it was great. I loved it. and. Uh, you know, some people, you know, are saying they may or may not take in the tour. I would, anybody that's listening, if the band's coming through, I would definitely recommend taking it in the state production and everything is absolutely fantastic. That was my 11th time seeing Kiss and, you know, I'm guessing probably the final time. So how could I, how could I not go? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a diehard fan, I'm, I know they're coming back to the Chicago area late summer I want to say um, at some point in the summer and I don't know if I'm going to go I mean I've always been pretty steadfast on you know no ace no me you know going to the show but <laughs> yeah you know now that it's actually coming down to the end the end of the road uh, I'm kind of like on the fence I'm like should I go should I take my have, son have you seen have you seen the end of the road tour 
No, I have not. Oh, well, you you got to go. I mean, do I make the choice? Or, Dean, I got the decision to, is it ACDC, who's probably going to tour? Is it Kiss? Do I go to the Motley Crue show? You know, it's like, do I go try to win the lotto? You got to do them all. (laughs) Do them all, buddy. You only live once. They're only going to be around for a little while. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) My house goes into foreclosure. (laughs) Why can't, why why can't you pay? I'm like, well, you try going to the Motley Crue show and the Kiss show and the ACDC show and the Iron Maiden show. See where you're at at the end of the summer, you know? But it's a big investment. Definitely ACDC for 2020, if it happens, will be a must for me. Because I kind of think, you know, I know we're getting off topic on the Kiss thing. We'll, we'll circle back here shortly. But, you know, with Kiss, yeah. we obviously know it's the end of the road. I have to think, and we talked about this on the last episode you were on, that this is probably it for ACDC, I, have to, I, would, I would imagine. Oh, it has to be. I can't imagine them how much longer than they go. You got to figure that this is release an album, promote it with Malcolm, old recordings of Malcolm. That's what they're doing so far. And then go on the world tour. And I would assume that knowing ACDC and knowing the way bands are today, it's, you know, going to end up being a two year, two and a half year stadium tour and they'll make all their money and, off they ride into the sunset, you would think. Although Angus isn't that young, the rest of the band, they're getting up there. Right, and I think if they try to use Axl Rose again, I mean, from what I hear... No, thank you. Yeah, but but from what I hear, Guns N' Roses is recording a new album, and they're going to tour off of it, and they're probably going to do the same thing that all the bands do, like Metallica. It's probably going to be a two, two and a half year commitment. I don't know if he's going to want to do that, you know, taking a, uh, resting his voice at his age. I don't know how Axel is. I, I don't know how old he is, but you know, I got to imagine he's probably in his mid fifties at this point. Um, yeah. You know, so that all comes into play when you're when you're considering all those things. And most of the responses that I heard with Axel was it was a unique experience, and people did appreciate it, but it didn't sound like a lot of people wanted it to happen again. Yeah, I also. I heard mixed. I heard people, same as you, that thought he stepped in and did a really good job, and and that's all. That's fantastic. But it's not ACDC to me, anyways. And I'm a big, I'm a big ACDC fan. So for me, I'm not even a ACDC tribute band type of guy. I just, I've always been a firm believer that the only band that does ACDC well is ACDC, and let's leave it at that. But I'm tremendously biased. Yes, as we all are, right? Yeah. All right, so let's get back into it. So, yeah, step two, let's do the next six. And, you know, you can start from the top with your first ten into the next six, and then we'll we'll do mine. Okay. Okay, so Deuce, King of the Nighttime World, Strutter, Come On and Love Me, Parasite, Firehouse, I Spill Your Love, Nothing to Lose, Rock Bottom, Cold Gin. Then we come back, and Gene's going to spit blood for God of Thunder. Then a little surprise tonight with Ace Fraley doing Shock Me and his guitar solo. Then we're going into Rip, Rip, Rip and Destroy, better known as Hotter Than Hell. I'm assuming you got the Phantom reference there. Yes. <laughs> Love them and Leave them is Ooh. my 
my first deep cut. And the next one is probably maybe where I lose you in the audience because it may come as a surprise, but when I first saw this one in, I guess it would have been right back in the day, Long Beach Auditorium, 1974, and it's more of an instrumental. But I think with the band in their heyday, as good as they were in 77, 78, pulling this off would have been a cool jam, and that's Acrobat. Hmm. All right. That's. There- I mean. I mean. That is like. That's. That's. I don't know if that's a deep cut. That's like bottomless pit cut. I mean, like. You, I mean, you've got to. You've got to like. You're diving. If you're in the ocean and you're going to get ab- acrobat, there's a chance you may not come back up. You know. It's a cool. It's a cool tune to me. I. You know. You. Go and, and watch, go on YouTube and just watch Kiss Acrobat from Long Beach, California. It's it's the beginning. It's as raw as you could ever get. And I just, I just, it's something about that. I've always thought it was just a very cool song. And and Peter Chris's drumming is just awesome in that. And I also think that that might be the show, the song that that you would get maybe an extended Peter Chris drum solo in. And it, five minutes into the video on YouTube is kind of when. He starts drowning a little bit more there, and I thought, ah, oh, just I'm going to throw it in there. I'm just going to throw this in here for the for the heck of it. And there, there's other songs, obviously, that are going to be better concert songs. I get it, but I thought, okay, for the people out there that really love, truly appreciate the deep, deep cuts, I throw Acrobat in there. So there it is. And then I want you is my sixth song. Wow. Okay, okay, of the set list. Well, I have to say, after we hang up here, I am going to go watch that video. It's probably been over a decade since I've heard that. It's been a long, long time. Like, I don't even remember the last time I heard that. But, but yeah, like when you said acrobat, I'm like, I, I, I kind of had this dead stare in the space. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> so I'm like, but that had completely been erased from my memory up until you just said that. And, that, and that's why there was that hesitation because I was like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Too funny. That's why we have Dean on the show, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> yeah. basically every KISS well, fan is like, I, I need to look that up. What is that again? Acrobat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is he thinking? You can't pull that off in concert. That's great. That's great. That's why we do these shows, people. You never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. It's all fun. All right. So getting into mine, the first 10 into the next six. Again, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, Deuce, Coming Home, Love Gun, Got to Choose, Tomorrow and Tonight, Calling Dr. Love, Firehouse, Come On and Love Me. Into Shock Me. Hard Luck Woman, God of Thunder, Rock Bottom, Parasite, and my second song that is not on either album, Mr. Speed. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I, this is where from like Firehouse, or for actually after Got to Choose, which is my sixth song in the set, all the way yep. until Mr. Speed, I must have changed those songs countless times because I'd be I'd, I'd write it down and then I kind of start playing the songs after each other I'm like no this one fits better here I like this here <laughs> and it was maddening like there was 
I think it was Thursday night or Friday night. I didn't fall asleep till two o'clock in the morning because the set list that I had was bothering me. I, 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 I could go back and change mine 10 times. I'm sure. <laughs> but I was like, I, is that right to have God of Thunder right there? Should I move rock bottom down and, and come on and love me? Is that, you know, and I, and I was sitting there in bed, like, and I found like, I have to go to bed. I have to turn my brain off. I just yeah. have to, you know, so I started just thinking of like nothing as hard as that is to do. But yeah, that kept me up for a while trying to figure out which. Election. So you know what I did with my set list is I actually went in to my iTunes and I built the set list. So I did new, new set list, kiss alive. And then I went through and I just pulled over all the songs in the order that I'm reading them out to you right now. And it's pretty hilarious to go back and then listen to it. And how some of it just blends in together. It, it's pretty interesting to, to hear songs with the crowd noise and then it goes in to a completely different song. I go, I go to Shock Me and then at the end of Shock Me, then it goes into, we're going to get this place hotter than hell. And it goes right into hotter than hell and it doesn't even feel like there's an interesting to listen to it that way. I, I did not do that. What I was doing was going on YouTube and going to the beginnings of the song and then I'd go to the end and then I would mash it together with the other song with another tab open to see how it yeah, sounded. Yeah. Yeah. The things we do. Yeah, very cool. The things we do. I for know, kids. it's so funny. <laughs> um, I, okay, so I've got two more. Sorry? Go ahead. I, I've got two songs before my encore. I did a four-song encore. What did you do? I did a two-song encore. I did four... Um, you know, strong songs that I believe are, are are for the you know for the set to go into the encore, but and that was difficult okay. too, you know, because you know especially there's that one I want to say it's a bootleg. I don't know if it's just on vinyl or you can you can maybe see the video on YouTube, but there is a show from '76 that has a lot more songs from rock and roll over than they had actually on the album. And, you know, when you hear Mr. Speed on this, I think, I don't know if you've seen it, but I'll send you the link. I don't know if you have or not. But Take Me's on there. Mr. Speed's on there. It's pretty cool. Right on. Send it to me. I will do that. All right, so what's your what's your next? Well, do the next before you get into the encore. Why don't, we, why don't we finish up that way? Okay, so I've got two. I've got two before the encore. So, so rehashing here, harder than hell, love them and leave them, acrobat, I want you. And after I want you, we go into love gun and then black diamond. Okay. All right. All right. So- encore. Okay. You, do you want me to do my encore yeah. now or do you want to do your next? No, go ahead. Go ahead with the encore. Okay. So my encore is Beth and then Detroit Rock City. Shout it out loud and rock and roll all night. Okay. All now right. I know a lot of people are sick of rock and roll all night. I get it. But it, I just took into consideration the, it, it is just a fantastic way to end the concert. And I'm trying to think of this from, you know, the, the big picture. And it, it is one of their, it is, you know, the, their, their arena rock anthem song that they're using to end concerts nowadays and I kept it there it, it's it's a fantastic 
closing song. Um, and so I left it there. So that, that's my encore. Beth, Detroit Rock City, Shout It Out Loud, Rock and Roll Night, which I think are, after Beth, are three real kick-ass songs to send people out the door happy. My final six go into the end of the show to kind of re retrack a little bit a little bit shock me hard luck woman god of thunder rock bottom parasite mr speed into i stole your love black diamond nice. strutter rock and roll all night and then the encore the encore is cold gin and shout it out loud nice you didn't have shout it out loud on, on your list I did. It was my twenty-first song. Okay. Okay. All right. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. When you said Beth, I, I kind of was like, "Ooh, I didn't have Beth." So um, I didn't have Beth, and I didn't have "I Want You." Although "I Want You" was one of those songs going against Firehouse. Like I was like, "Ooh, I want you, Firehouse, yeah. hotter than yeah. hell, nothing to lose." Um, she. I really wanted to put <laughs> she on this. Um, <laughs> I. Yeah, hundred thousand years. I want. She to put is on a this. great song. Yeah, I, and the other one that I I had on my list, and again, it was one of those ones. Where do I put it? Do I take it out? And they do it now. I don't know what, how people feel about it or not. Is let me go rock and roll. You know, they've been doing that a lot in in the tours, and I think some people kind of, you know, take it or leave it. And, and I had it, and then I took it out. I've never been a big fan of Let Me Go Rock and Roll ever since I was a kid. Um, I just, yeah. I never was able to connect with it. I, I just, I just think it's a very weak track. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. That was kind of like me back in the day with She. When I listened to Kiss Alive, it was, you know, right after Come On and Love, Parasite, then came, and then She came on, and then watching you, and I kind of felt back in the day that, yeah they probably could have done without she, but now as I've gotten older and I tend to really like the old 73, 74, 75 time period. I think I just, because I appreciate how raw and, and aggressive they were coming up. And now I listen to she and I go, okay, now I get it. As far as the extra songs coming home and Mr. Speed, I love both those tracks. There was also a debate amongst myself or with myself about love her all I can anything for my baby. I really love those songs. Um, take me. I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah. Take me. Yeah. yeah. I, the reason why you can see why it, you can see why it's so difficult for these bands to do set lists, you know, trying to balance the, 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 the casual fan and that are coming to see the hits versus the fan that wants to see the deep cuts. And maybe that's why they do the kiss cruise and why that's been so successful. Cause a lot of those deep cut songs that you're talking about are the ones that they tend to do for those smaller, smaller shows. Yes. Yes. And I saw Mr. Speed. I saw the video footage from Mr. Speed from the last Kiss Cruise, and I, th I thought it sounded great. Yeah. Um, that's a song, too, that I don't think is appreciated a lot by the casual Kiss fan. Like, as you mentioned, it's it's more or less a deep cut, but you see it with the polls that I run on the, on the Twitter feed. Very rarely does a deep cut overtake a 
popular song. Yeah. It just it just doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. One of the reasons why I didn't choose I'll See You in My Dreams tonight was I couldn't find a set list where they played that in concert. I don't know if that's ever been played. I don't know. Same thing with anything for my baby. I, you know, that was another one where I couldn't find anything that showed that that was played back in like the club days when they were coming up. I, you know, Lover All I Can was played, um, and that's one of my favorites too. That is not on either the 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 Alive One or Alive Two records, but that's a great track too as well. Um, you know, but for me, Beth. I liked it when I was younger, and I know I, – I, 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 I don't – it's hard for me to listen to it now. I did have the idea in my head, well, you got to have something, you know, to rest the ears of the audience, Jay. You know, you, <laughs> and here I am. I'm thinking of these things as, like, this is actually going to be performed, right? I'm like, well, how's the, yeah. how's the audience going to rest their ears? You know, you got to be able to – you know, this, this is two-hour set. This is 22 songs. There's guitar solos and there's drum solos and Gene's got his bass solo and he's breathing fire and he's spitting blood. You know, they got to have that moment where you kind of relax the eardrums a little bit. But I couldn't exclude... And I agree, yeah. Yeah. I, but I couldn't exclude Tomorrow and Tonight. It, was, it came down to Beth or Tomorrow and Tonight. And I had to go with Tomorrow and Tonight. So in my mind when I picked Beth was, again, just the overall concert experience and, and inclusion of everybody, non-fans, casual fans, diehard fans. And I think just the that old-time 1977 Peter Chris sitting on his drum, you know, the drum seat there at, at the front of the stage and under the spotlight and, and singing Beth and the girls going crazy. And that was that would be the reason why I put that in there. But I'm with you. I don't need to hear Beth. Another song that I wanted to put in and, and include is Do You Love Me? I really wrestled with that one. It's a cover. I don't know. Yeah, it's a cover. I, so that's why I was like, eh, you know, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> But I love that. Yeah, song. you kind of come back. Eh? You know, I know it was it, it the two great albums. Again, I left watching you off. Yeah. Great song. I left oh, she off. Great no. song. Got to choose. I left that off. Great song. You know, there's so many. You know, a ladies' room making love off Kiss Alive yes. to Christine. Say it's it's just it, it's endless. Christine sixteen could not be played in today's social environment. <laughs> no, of course, no, of course not. <laughs> but this we're talking about we're talking about doing this in 1976. So, you know, but and that's I know, that's kind of my <laughs> definitely was my vision as well. What are we doing here? Yeah, 76, 77. If we were to change it up or just reproducing these albums into one now, what, you know, what would we like to see? So definitely, it's not. It's definitely not based on on today, without question. I've got Ace and Peter in the band when I'm thinking all of this. Right. I should do a poll of like the most so- socially unacceptable song present day: Christine sixteen versus <laughs> Hot for Teacher. <laughs> I wouldn't even get into the ACDC songs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh jeez, yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah. What was the other? Um, I mean, we'll, we'll keep this. Let's keep this PGJ. Yes, absolutely, 
Absolutely. Footnote, <laughs> footnote on hot for teacher for all you listeners out there. My science teacher in seventh grade looked just like the woman in the hot for teacher video. Just like her. <laughs> and when you're in seventh grade and you're going through puberty and your hormones are all over the place, that's not fair. That's not fair. I'll just no leave kidding. it at that. I'll just leave it at that. You know? She, yeah. Next subject. Yes. <laughs> but no, these are good set lists, man. I mean, these are good shows. Um, like I said, or like we talked about in the beginning, this was way more difficult than I had imagined. I thought, oh, this will take me about 20 minutes. And five minutes in, I'm like, this is not going to take me 20 minutes. I've got to go listen to all this no. stuff. I've got to sequence it all. Because that's another thing, too, that's kind of a lost art form now, present day, is yep. the sequencing of songs, either on a record or live, right? Um, that is a lost art form, definitely. You know, that, that band that comes out on stage, it's like a plane taken off, and then it reaches yep. its its peak height, and then it coasts till the end, and then it kind of lands, you know, with, with the encore. And not a lot of bands look at their look at playing live like that anymore. No, I agree. And I've been to some shows and I can't think of any one in particular that stands out or what song they ended with or anything like that. I'd have to look back into my ticket stubs and so forth. But there have been concerts that I've laughed and the last song is a song that just has no business being the last song. And if they were thinking about it and wanting to to leave the, the audience, you know, wanting more and leaving the arena completely excited. There's been some shows where I'm going, why did you guys choose that song? There's a better song to end the concert with. And I think that's really important. I agree with you. I think sometimes it can be a lost, uh, a lost card. And I think sometimes in the, you know, like you had made the comment that my first 10 songs really kicked off with a, you know, with some high energy and then it, it gets into some deep cuts and stuff. And I can certainly look at my list and go, ah, oh, maybe I should move some of these around a little bit to keep it going a little bit more in the middle. But from a kiss fan perspective, I could look at all these and go, okay, that's pretty cool. Have an ace doing shock me into hotter than hell and love them and leave them. And I want you, but I, I can definitely see where, you know, maybe a move is shouted out loud or a Detroit Rock City up to in, into the middle to keep her going. Kiss really did define the live act. You know, they, they, they were the quintessential live act for years. And they put on a show. And when you talk about, or when we talk about, the set list sequencing, how you grab a hold of an audience and you don't let go, that really does come from Kiss. I mean, you, you you know the bands that were around prior, even Led Zeppelin, they were jam bands, right? They would have their jams. They would do a lot of improvising during the show. I mean, a song like Days and Confused from Led Zeppelin could be 40 minutes long, 30, 40 minutes long. Yeah. And, you know, they might only do like eight eight songs eight or nine songs but some of those songs are like whole lot of love i mean i've got bootlegs of them doing whole lot of love for 48 minutes um (laughs) i mean it was it was very excessive right but you know that's what made them who they were but then kiss comes along and basically with the explosions and the theatrics and everything is i don't want to say concise because no rock and roll show is really 
perfect or concise, but it's boom, 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 boom. And you got 20 to 25 songs in a set list. And it's just, they just grab you. There's no jams other than mm-hmm. like a guitar solo or a drum solo. And even those are no longer than three, four, five minutes long. Um, except when Vinnie Vincent was in the band, but, <laughs> um, but no, that's, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the live performance of a band and everybody after that, even bands that came out before kiss were all influenced by that. Everything changed yeah. with kiss. And we talked about, you mentioned kiss alive being dubbed in this, you know, studio and, 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 and retract and, and, you know, there's a lot of you know, fake crowd noise or whatever. Yes, it, 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 it's all true. But what it does is it captures the essence of KISS. Because when you listen to those early recordings, those first three albums, especially Hotter Than Hell, the production is not very good. And it really doesn't no. capture what the band was about. Yeah, it was album that saved their career, wasn't it? Album that saved their career and the album that saved Casablanca too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Casablanca was was um, falling on hard times, falling on hard financial times, and they decided to do this Kiss Alive record basically as like a hail mary to save the to save the label. Yeah, and they knocked it out of the park. Just everything from the the cover photo and Cobo Hall on the back. Yeah. The, the picture is just—it's iconic. Totally, I love it. Totally, and even even the Kiss Alive two cover with the four individual photos. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I still say that picture of Gene is so iconic. I mean, I mean, it, it just captures everything about the demon. Captures everything about Gene Simmons. And then you open it up and you're like, oh my goodness. Yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The gatefold photo, legendary, right? Totally. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I still remember being at my brother's friend's house and they went to go do something and I had brought blank tapes over to, because I knew he had Kiss Alive too. And I brought like these old blank tapes over and I recorded it from the vinyl onto the tape. And I just stayed mm-hmm. in the room until it was done, right? And, you know, I, I mean, I, I wasn't, I mean, they were older than me anyway. I wasn't going to do anything with them. You know, they didn't want me around. So I just stayed in the room and recorded. And I just remember staring at that vinyl, staring at those pictures for like two hours. Yeah. Two hours. It was just like, I, I thought I saw like you know, my, my life, what my life was going to be like. Like, I want to do this somehow, some way. Never got to do it, but. For a few years, I, I thought I was actually going to be a member of KISS. But I think you sum up why we're so connected to the music of our past and our youth and the music of back in the day. It's it, You described it exactly, that connection of getting the album and opening it up. And with KISS Alive 2, I also remember I've given my, my dad, give, I've given him money. He worked in downtown Vancouver. And uh, he'd come home with the, the record store bag with the new Kiss Alive 2 album in it. You open it up, and again, you're blown away by the pictures. You get the booklet in the middle. You get the fake tattoos, the whole package, and you put it on. And it's, it's all those memories that, that 
we create and and we go back to and that's why we're so fond of this stuff is because it takes us back to our youth and when we first discovered these things and and maybe that's why it's hard to open our hearts and our minds a little bit more to some of the newer music although you know we talk about how we're trying and and we're appreciating some new music but i can under i do kind of understand why people gravitate to the music that they grew up on is because just the impact of opening up a kiss alive two album up and what that what that meant to us back in the day you're right you know i know there's some people that may disagree with me on the physical connection to music i understand that the physical connection is pretty much gone forever i don't know if it's ever going to come back or if someone can figure out a way to have the digital experience with the physical connection i don't know if it can be done but like you just said, when we were in our youth and we heard a record and we bought an album, not only would we think about the songs that we liked from that album, but is if we were sitting in our classroom or sitting in the back seat of our parents' car, wherever, we'd be thinking of the visual image of the album and the pictures on the album and how we connected yeah. those visual images to the songs that we enjoyed and the albums that we enjoyed and it perfectly meshed together. And that's what the art form was supposed to do, was supposed to provide that physical connection. And now that it's point and click, let's face it, it's not just rock music that's affected by it. I know we talk a lot about it in these podcasts, but it's all genres of music are all feeling the effects of it. Some genres have been able to figure it out and figure out how to get their music and have people connect with their music. I still don't think the connection is the same. I still think it's a false connection because look at how these bands that come out or an album comes out, a single comes out, and it's hot today, and then by the end of the week, it's gone. That, that, buzz, yeah. is, that buzz is completely gone. So, yes... I will say it till the day I die, till I'm in the ground. The physical connection to music is the biggest problem with music today, not just rock, all genres of music. And I agree. It, 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 it's, it's not going to get fixed anytime soon if it ever gets fixed. But like we, like, like, like Dean and I just talked about, when you went to a record store, when you saw those pictures, I mean, think about how we're still talking about those pictures. The Gene Simmons, you know, iconic image on Alive 2, and you opened up the gatefold, you know, seeing the, seeing the stage, and then Cabo Hall, you know, on, on the back of Alive 1. Yeah. There's not going to be any of that, right, with music today that's being released today. No. There's not going to be a conversation. When, when did that come out? 75? So that's what? you know, 45 years ago, there's not going to be a conversation 45 years ago about the image on a rock record. It's, it's just not going to happen. You know, it, it's, it's just, it just won't. And that's when I talk about the physical you know, connection, why it's so important and why it's affected everything from pop music. I mean, some of these pop artists that come out, you hear one song and gone forever. I mean, they've always had one hit yeah. wonders, but it just seems to be more, in the process now. What do you think? 
I agree. And I think I was thinking about this the other day, thinking, does it feel like Greta Van Fleet has dropped out of the, uh, the conversation these days? Because everybody was talking Greta Van Fleet. I like them. I'm not one of the, you know, the anti-Greta Van Fleet uh, guys because they sound like Led Zeppelin. I've got their albums. I've bought the physical copies of the albums. I enjoy their music. I saw them in concert. I like them. But I'm feeling right now the way everything moves so fast in society nowadays that they better deliver another album fairly quickly and it better be good for them to stay in the mainstream because that's how fast we're seeing things come and go, come and go. And and a band like Dirty Honey, I, what's their EP is four songs and then they've got one of their singles. That, that's five songs. Well, if you want to break out and, and get your name out there and get your music out there, I think they need to deliver some more music and, and sooner than later. Yeah, the pressure really is on artists and bands today to keep producing music because they need that as a stepping stone to get out on a tour, um, you know, yeah. and, and, and start producing. I know Dirty Honey. I did the new music spotlight with Mark LaBelle a few weeks back. I know they're going to do a tour here in the winter with the Amazons, which is a band from the U.K. I think yeah. they're going to be also touring with. Or I don't know who they're going to be touring with, but they're going to be doing a tour in the summer. And I know their plan is to go back to Australia and record a full-length LP. I know band like bands like Joyous Wolf have new material coming out. There's so much new material. As far as Greta Van Fleet, from what I understand, the album was supposed to come out in the fall of this year. They pulled it till the first quarter of next year. So I know that's coming. Okay. I know it's coming. But I think you're right. I think, yeah, they, they have lost a little bit of a, a buzz on you know because when they released that first full length LP they had two LPs or EPs that had come out that was really the driving yeah. force of getting new material and people getting that buzz we've also had the yeah. experience and I've touched on this on a few episodes the the art of trying to tear Greta Van Fleet down or the act of trying to tear Greta Van Fleet down, which I think has become ridiculous. It's become almost like how many clicks can I get by shaming Greta Van Fleet and the people that, that like them? You know, it almost seems like these critics are more interested in how many clicks and likes they can get on their videos on YouTube than they actually do about the music. And I think that's very disheartening, especially when you have a new band that, I've seen live three times and are completely awesome. They are great musicians. They are a great band. And as Alex Lifeson said, let them grow into their music. Let them develop their own style. Because when Rush came out, they were the Canadian Led Zeppelin with their first album. So let's see where they go. Yeah. I was just going to say, you go back and listen to that first Rush album. And it's completely influenced by Led Zeppelin. And I, and if you listen to that first Rush album, you'll hear what Greta Van Fleet's doing now in that as well. And doesn't make it a bad album. I think it's a, I, I that first Rush album I think is fantastic. But yeah, it sounds and much like Led Zeppelin and heavily influenced by Led Zeppelin. Doesn't make it bad. No, not at all. Well, as we close here today, what's your favorite album of 2019? Oh, that's a great question. 
threw that one at me, hey? Yeah. <laughs> I, man, I, I, I would have to give that some serious thought because I've been listening to so much different material. Um, I like the, the treatment. I like this, uh, under the sun by blacktop mojo. Um, I like the rival sons, you know, rival sons would have to be there. Great album. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to think more on that, to be honest with you, to pick a favorite. How about yourself? I'm still formulating my list because we're going to do, or I'm going to do an end-of-the-year show. Um, but, you know, some of the things that I really enjoyed listening to over the past year, love the Rival Sons record, love the new big rec- record, um, loved L.A. Guns, love the EPs by Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf. The Cold Stairs new records are awesome. Yeah, um, very good album. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot um, that has been released this past year that you know I'm really excited about, and I'll talk about that at the year at the end um, at the end of the year show. But you know, L.A. Guns, uh, Big Wreck, Rival Sons, like I mentioned, the two EPs, Joyous Wolf and, and Dirty Honey. Uh, I also like. The new Rancateurs album. I thought that was a very strong effort. I, I really enjoyed that. There's a lot. There's a lot that's out there. The two, the new, the the new Tyler Bryant album is great. Yeah, so, that's a good album too. Yeah. So there's a lot. So I'm still formulating my list, but we're gonna have an end of the year show, and people can comment on it about what their favorites were. So now you got some time to think about it, but. I threw you for, uh, I threw you for a loop there, and <laughs> <laughs> I've got my iTunes in front of me, pulling through, and some of the stuff I've downloaded, Jay, is stuff that you've introduced, but it might be a couple of years old. Right, right. It's yeah. amazing, right? Like how how much music out there, and you go, what? That was released in like 2014. Never heard of them. Why? Why not heard of these guys? Have you have you heard the new Big Rock album? I haven't listened to it yet. Oh. That's a great album. I saw them open up. Did I see them open up? I feel like I saw them open up for Collective Soul a number of years ago and put on a really good show. Check out their new album. It's called Before the Sun, which is a great album. Okay, I will. And it... it, it Man, that opening track all the way through—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the good stuff, man. It's the goods. So I would check that out. But yeah, we'll be doing an end of the year show, and you'll have a chance to comment. But um, look forward to it because I always—I always like it when Absolutely. you send me. I always—I always like it when you send me new stuff that I haven't heard. <laughs> and you never know, right? Nowadays, you don't know what people have heard or haven't heard, and you come across some band like was it? Uh, did you introduce Rock Dolls or? It might have been new music. Uh, who's our new music guy that uh, that you had on your show? Oh, well, there's Mike. We follow on. Yeah, there's Mike from Keep Keep Rock Alive, but Rocket Dolls. Yeah, yeah, it, there, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah. It might have been him. Or yeah, Mike. Mike uh, he throws some. He does throw some excellent stuff out there. Either it was Mike or it was Chris from Three Sixty Sound. 360-degree sound. Okay. Yeah, it's either Chris, um, who's been on the show before, talked about Napster and 
talked about the, you know, like we yeah. said before, the physical connection. I think it, I, so for some reason I want to say it was him. I'm not sure though. Okay. Yeah, but, there's uh, there, all those guys are always throwing out great stuff: rocket dolls, uh, piston, kicking Valentina, um, the cold stairs. Uh, Def Rat was uh, was out on somebody's feed, and Blacktop Mojo. Yeah, I love that it's, stuff. Uh, there's there's lots out there. You always hear people, you know, talking about you know we can't you know find new music. It's out there. You got to dig for it and follow some music people on Twitter and, and you'll come across some great stuff. 100% agreed. Well, Hey man, I appreciate you doing this. This was a fun episode. This was not as easy as I originally thought. I'm glad we got it done. Thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to talk to you and, and uh, keep in touch. If you want to do something in the future, uh, reach out and, Make sure you uh, check out that uh, good old acrobat when we're done here. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> going to do that. I got an idea for for, the, right for, for our next show. When ACDC announces <laughs> their tour, let's do the quintessential ACDC set lists. Deal. That'd be awesome. That'd be Thanks, awesome. Jay. All right, man. Hey, you have a good new year. Thanks for doing this. And we will chat again soon. Once again, everybody, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. New Year's is coming. Be safe out there, and Happy New Year to all of you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.